0: Hi, my name is Alejandro Pérez Pérez and this is the AI Coffee Podcast. Every two weeks, you will have one episode regarding one disruptive aspect of technology and artificial intelligence for the time you drink a cup of coffee. Today, we have a very, very inspirational guest. His name is Mikkel. Welcome, Mikkel, to the AI Coffee Podcast.
1: Alejandro. Thank you for having me.
0: Mikkel Odinsov-PineTube is an expert in precision livestock farming and co-founder of WeGrowth, a company focused on empowering small farmers in marginal areas. So that's, that's quite interesting, actually, uh, a person talking about farming, talking about countryside um, and also artificial intelligence. So can you share with us your background in, vet- in veterinary medicine and, and how it led you to become passionate about precision livestock farming for small farmers?
1: Yeah, of course. So I train as a veterinarian. It's a very long course. And uh, one of the aspects that I really liked in medicine is a preventive medicine. So you see seeing this developing and you want to block the disease or you want to prevent the disease before you get to treatment, antibiotics and all the technical part. And one specific aspect about animals is if you know how much they eat, how much they sleep, how how much they move, you can see a change in a pattern of behavior. And when you see the change in pattern of behavior, you can predict the outburst of a disease. So how do you know when the animal drink, eat, sleep, move? And here the technology comes in, because precision livestock farming is a type of technology that tracks each animal individually during the day, and it gives you the data about its behavior after a series of analysis. So I came to it wanting to treat animals before they get sick, and I ended up with a lot of technical guys around me working on uh, how the system needs to work and what data it needs to collect.
0: And, um, I mean, it's, it's very focus on, on data and, and technical aspects, but also, I mean, it's a very practical domain. So can you explain more, more, more or less what's a day in your daily life? Uh, because you need to go to the country to, to see the animals, right? So how it works.
1: Yeah, so I'm actually a person that needs to connect uh, data scientists and engineers that have never seen a farm in their life with farmers that have never seen an engineer or data in their life. And somebody needs to be in the middle to explain to each one of the sides what the other is talking about. And most of my days are, we now, I now run my own experimental farm. And with my co-founder, who's the technical background, every day I need to tell him, look, the animals are looking this way, I need this data, we need to explore this side, Why didn't I got the information about it before? And he's the one who actually tasked with developing the solutions. Of course, I also go to the farms and I see, I do the veterinary evaluation of them. And then we try to figure out how uh, we can collect the data that is interesting for the farmer, which is also the part of the job of developing it.
0: That's very, very interesting, right? Uh, but uh, why did you decide that? I mean, you could decide, for example, uh, you could decide open a, a veterinary clinic, for example, or, or something more, more let's say, common. Why did you decide to, to work on that?
1: So I actually really like the lifestyle and the, the cultural background of small farms, marginal areas. I don't know if you ever uh, heard of James Harriet, He's a veterinarian who wrote a lot of books about his experience. And I read him as a kid. And of course, I wanted to become a veterinarian. But when I graduated and I wanted to live this lifestyle, what I found out that most of the small farmers are losing the competition to the big ones. So if you're a small farmer and it's your family farm, and now you're competing against an industrial size uh, professional operation, you will be losing. And uh, I thought that I want to give them a tool to be competitive. So I don't want to be just the veterinarian that goes there, treats the animals, take the money and go home. I wanted to give them a tool that will help them be competitive in the next 50 or 100 years, not just now. And uh, so I ended up here. I started a PhD. I'm working on the actual management of the farms, and I narrow it down to the technological aspects. So this is a this is how a veterinarian finds himself working with uh, developers. But it's mainly because I wanted to see this uh, lifestyle, this culture, these areas. I don't know how in Spain, but in Italy, many of these towns are getting deserted. Many of the farms are run by 60, 70-year-olds and uh, i really like to live here and i want the environment around me to be as flourishing as possible and i don't want the young ones to go truck driving or be uh, baristas in rome and uh, this is the path i chose to to take
0: that's true. In Spain, it's I think it's completely the same. Uh, in my case, I come from the north of Spain, from Leon, uh, which is uh, a very countryside uh, area, uh, not the city, but all around. And and I think there is this big problem of of how uh, a small um, farming areas are are only like now for ma- made and maintained by old people, which is okay, but when they are going to retire there is not going to be any kind of of change any kind of new generations uh, taking this uh, again and actually i think there, there is a problem of, of of also the countryside itself uh, for example in in spain i have heard that most of the fires that we have had uh, during the last years come actually f- because of that because um, there is not so many people as before working on the countryside and. And this is a problem that we don't see from the cities, actually. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, you touched a really interesting and important point. People, you know, the debate about meat consumption, vegetarians. I not go, I don't want to go into this too much, but the farmer, especially the small farmer, that takes his animal out and stays outside all day, uh, he provides a lot of what is called ecosystem services. So... Goats or sheep or cows, they will eat the dry grass and they will prevent the fires from spreading. But if they just left there, they will trample the ground and they will destroy it. And when the rain comes, all the ground will go to the river and to the sea. So you have a pollution. And the work of the farmer is to keep the animals on this spot for enough time for them to eat the dry grass but not too much to ruin the soil. And this is a very fine-tuning mechanism. And again, one of the reasons I work with the technologies is uh, how you can tell to the farmer, OK, you have three days, and you need to move your animals. It's no longer it depends on 300 years of tradition, because not not all farmers are good. Not all farmers have this tradition. Not all farmers have the background. And one of the things we try to do is to give them this uh, digital aid that will have the, help them to be a critical role in society. Because farmers, I don't know if you're familiar with the CAP, it's a European uh, support system of payments. Many farmers, because it's a small operation, they depend on the payments. But you need to justify the payments. not that they give you money f- because you breathe. And for farmers, it's very important to say, look, I'm maintaining this area. I'm preventing fires. I'm capturing CO2. I'm doing a lot of service, so I can get the the money from the government, not because I need a handout, but because I provide service for everybody. And uh, this is a very interesting topic because you need to quantify it. How much you provide from services, and uh, this is a, another technical challenge
0: I see I see that there is like many many things around that usually people don't talk about so that's why also I wanted to invite you to this podcast. Uh, but there is also one other topic that I want to come to to this podcast and it's uh, how did you um, start the, 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 the company that you are the startup that you are working on? Uh, that I said before, it's regrowth. Uh, You are a co-founder and and how was the process? Uh, Why did you decide to to go for that?
1: It was half passion and half mistake, at least in the beginning. Because I worked, uh, I was doing my PhD and I was going around the farms and I was trying to find what is the problem? Where are the failing? And every farm I got, I got the same response. Usually it's a very hard work. We don't have the new generation. I need to stay all the day with the animals and I can't find tools that will help me to reduce the workload. I can't find tools that help me to manage it. And my co-founder, he is a farmer. He comes from a family of farmers and he went to study engineering. But in 2016, he came back to take over the farm And because he's a technology-oriented guy, he's uh, from 91, so he's a young farmer, he was looking also for technologies to help him, but uh, he couldn't find any. And we sat together and we decided, okay, let's think what we can do. If we we could design it, what what it could be. And we designed the product, it's called our system called LEAF, it's live, uh, Live Environmental and Animal Feedback. And uh, about a week after we had this discussion, we decided to apply it to a startup competition, and uh, we won. We won 20,000 euros a week after starting. And at this moment, it became not only uh, two friends chatting about a hypothetical project because now you get the money, not you get the, now you have the responsibility, and now you need to start working about on it. So it was 2020 when we got it. And now we're nearing to the end of 2023 and we're still working on it uh, full time.
0: Hi, it's Alejandro Perez Perez, host of the Ecofi podcast, and I have a very short message to you. Sorry for this interruption. Please, as this is an independent project, it will be really, really important for me if you could subscribe to the podcast. You could also share with your friends and relatives. And please, a very important thing is to subscribe to the Ecofi newsletter at alejandroperezperez.substack.com. It will make this project bigger and bigger. And of course, it will create more valuable interviews for you. Thank you very much. And let's continue the podcast. Okay, it's it sounds really, really, I mean, funny, right? Like you decided to go to try and then you saw that there is something behind. But actually, um, even though the, the, why, the way you are saying that it, it sounds funny, actually, I think it's very important because usually many people have many ideas, but they don't uh, put them in practice. And actually... That's the most important part, even though it could it could work or not. But uh, the only way to, to test it is to try it. And usually it's really hard. So congratulations for that. And also I, I, I should say that you were a colleague of me in the master. And that's also because you, you won this competition, right? Or another yeah. one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. I won the competition for uh, AI for Go for 2022. And uh, my prize was to take part in the master, which was really, really interesting. But... Again if you want to talk about why animals and farming how, how did we got the AI for gov so AI for gov is a competition for government or public administration focused startups and uh, what people don't understand that there is a lot of work or government supervision coming to control the safety of the food so when you go to a supermarket and you know that you can buy uh, eggs or milk or meat or whatever, and you don't have to worry about uh, tuberculosis and you don't have to worry about uh, disease or infection or any other, there's a lot of people going to the farms, visiting them, controlling them. There is a lot of manpower. It it drains a lot of uh, of work. And what I propose that if the farms are already using or will be using our system, will share the data, it can also help the public administration. So instead of uh, trying to go and catch a disease developing, you know that in the farms, in the area, you have an increased uh, mortality. You know, pigs are dying for some obscure reason in one farm and then in two and then in three you can deduct a lot of uh, conclusions based on the pattern, based on the behavior, based on uh, the numbers. And then a public administrator can you know, apply safety measures in time. And again, you don't feel it, but you know, oh, any uh, once in a while, you have a recall of food from, from the supermarkets. Like a uh, company is taking away the entire batch of frozen yogurt. Why? It's either a contamination or some risk and it costs a lot of money and it's very dangerous for the public so the idea to monitor it at the source people liked it or maybe because i had a nice presentation waving around with a salami and saying that if you want to eat it you should invest in my startup
0: <laughs> no but <laughs> that's that's funny i would like to see it anyway but um also, I have one question, I mean, because we were we have been talking a lot about different aspects, right? Different tools, different ideas that you are proposing that exist uh like in, in this uh domain, but maybe if you could explain a little bit more what uh these uh precision livestock farming techniques are exactly, that that would be really useful maybe for me and for the audience to to get in contact with this with this thing.
1: So I give you an example that it's not livestock related, but it's more people related. If at the entrance to your bathroom, I will put a weight. And every time you go to the bathroom, I will wait you. And I know that today, Alejandro went to the bathroom five times. Four of them was for a short one. One of them was for a long one. And he weighted in average about 80 kilograms. And then I will see that you start to grow in more and more frequently. And you're losing weight. But you're still eating. This is an indication for me as a medically trained people to tell you, look, is everything all right? Is your stomach hurt? Have you been eating something different? Do you have some, you know, a, me- a doctor can ask this. Veterinarian can't ask this. We need to rely when the animal manifests the signs. So the ability to track, for example, I work now with chicken. To know that the chicken weighs two and a half kilograms and goes to eat from its this uh, designated spot five times a day and it eats about two hundred grams a day. For me, it's a lot of information because once it changes or once not only one of them starts losing weight but two, three, or maybe. Just one losing weight, but she's doing it very drastically. It's all patterns that you can identify with. For example, a lame animal. It got the leg, leg uh, caught in uh, fencing, so it's difficult to walk. It has a uh, pain. So when she comes and eats, she eats a lot. She do- doesn't lose weight, but when everybody else is going to eat five or six times a day, this animal comes maybe once, maybe twice. And while everybody else is growing, getting fatter, this one is not growing. For me, it's a decision, Okay, so it's not infectious. It's not spreading. It's impacting only certain aspects of behavior. And here, the artificial intelligence come in, because I can explain it to you now because I'm trained, but I can't sit there and watch 300 chicken every day. Somebody needs to do it. And uh, what we work with artificial intelligence is exactly this one: the identification of patterns, how the animal behaves, and based on its behavior, what we can say about its health.
0: It sounds really interesting, actually, (laughs) even for humans, as you were saying, um, because I mean, data is powerful, is power, and it's it's knowledge at the end of the day that uh, you cannot obtain otherwise. Because, as you were saying, you cannot ask a pig or uh, an animal, Uh, you cannot ask it, "Mm, how are you? How are you feeling? Are you hungry? Mm, What are your problems? I mean, (laughs) do you have any pain? You cannot ask that. So it's very important to obtain this data uh, from sensors, from many different uh, tracking systems. Can you maybe say more examples of tracking systems that you have? Um,
1: Yeah, so we like to work with what is called walk over weight. It's a platform that the animal needs to step and we take weight and uh, how many times it works, we work with it a lot because in remote areas we don't have a lot of options. We don't have a lot of space for data we we need a very precise numerical data. but you have now especially in more intensive farms, for example, accelerometers. you know the watch that measures how many steps you take, very similar they're using it for cows, for example, cow when he, a cow wants to be bred so it's work different for animals than humans animals manifest they will to be bred so a cow will start running around and then at some point it will stop and when it stops it because it's it wants to be bred now and this is the time for insemination okay and this before the sensors it was done by by eye so a farmer would watch uh, the, the animals and he will see cow number 4 running around one day, two days, three days. And day number four, it stops. And when it stops, then he will bring the bull or he will call the veterinarian for the insemination. Nowadays, we have all automatized. So you have accelerometer on the cow and you see the peak. And when it comes to the peak and then stops, you have a window of 24 hours for insemination. And you say, and you can ask me why it's so important to inseminate the cow so precisely. Because the next cycle would be in a month. And a cow, while milking, makes about 50 liters of milk. And every liter of milk is about 40 cents. So you can do the ma- math how much it costs to a farmer to miss 30 days of milking.
0: Yeah, it is actually, I mean, they are really... Um... Clear examples that why it's so important to to have this data and and collect it, and and of course it also reduces the, the the workload of the farmer. That I mean, yeah. he or she does doesn't really need to be there seeing them and controlling them all the time, which is actually really I think yeah, really difficult. They'd...
1: This is, I would say, that more than the money and more than the disease, the single most important decision for a farmer to say, I will buy the system, it's life quality. Because imagine a a milking farmer that he needs to wake up at five, he needs to milk the cows, he needs to do everything, and he needs to go back again at five or six in the evening and do it again. And you don't have a social life. You don't have a life quality. All what you do is revolves around the cows. Now you put inside the milking robot where the cow, when, when the cow wants, so you don't push her, the cow, the cow go to the milking robot, it milks her, and she walks away. The cow is happier because she's doing it on her own time. The farmer is happier because he doesn't have to wake up. And farmers will pay for this life quality because it's the, I think it's the make it or break it for many young people. That you can't find uh, friends, you can't go to a vacation, you can't uh, have a course, it's very difficult to find a partner when all your life revolves around cows or sheep or pigs. So, life quality, I would say, for the individual farmer, this is the make it or break it thing.
0: Um, and actually, how do you ensure that what, we, what you are doing, um, it creates a benefit in these um, marginal areas that you were discussing before?
1: So the idea is how many farmers, first of all, how many farms not going bankrupt? Is, can we ensure that the farms are economically viable operation? So they don't lose money for overfeeding. They don't lose money for disease. They don't get closed because they have an outbreak of disease or breach in biosecurity. And this guarantees a job for many people there. It, It could be the decision of the son of the family to go to a factory in the city or stay at the farm. Now you can stack over it, the life quality, but it also the social value, because we talked earlier about ecosystem services. I don't know how in, in Spain, but in Italy, sometimes you have this uh, stigma, the social stigma about farmers. The, if you don't uh, study, you will end up uh, digging holes in the ground as a farmer. And now a farmer can actually tell you, look, I'm the one that makes sure your drinking water is clean because I'm in the mountains keeping the grassland viable so you don't have soil erosion and ammonia in the water. It's the gaining some respect from the society, life quality, and economics,
0: yeah, totally, totally agree. actually,. Mm we all we always forget i think people living i live in madrid in a big city and i think we forget that food comes from the countryside and, and you know that it doesn't come from the supermarket so there is like a lot of things behind that also uh, what you say is really important is like it, it's not only food so it, it's there is a lot of things that um like farmers are doing so it's also very important that part have you I mean you I think you mentioned right but how do you measure this because you measure that you you, you said that it's very important for them to measure uh, the CO2 that they are uh, yeah. preventing so, or th- how do you measure this
1: so i'm doing uh, two types of sensors i'm doing sensors for the animals as i mentioned it walk over weight it's a station so i take the productive data how much the animal ate how much it gained weight so then you have the how much kilogram of animal you get for feeding. Let's take the pata negra ole jamon production. It's pigs that go outside. It's a national treasure, I know. <laughs> but when the pig comes in and eats, I will weight it in the system, and I will weight the amount of feeding. And from this, you already can have a lot of data about the health. But then you will take a satellite image of his pasture where he was working. And you will see that the grass, the total amount of grass has increased or decreased, depends on the farm management, X amount during a period of the life of the pig. And now when you go to slaughter the pig, you can say the pig was raised for 200 days. For every four kilograms of feed, it grew one kilogram. So, one kilogram of pig was, consumed resources, you know, the environmental impact of the feeding of the pig. But because he was walking around the trees and he was eating the grass and he was digging the roots, he increased the biosystem there. And we had 30, 40 tons of CO2 absorbed by the pasture and stored in the soil. Because this is what pasture do. pasture absorb CO2 and store it in the microbiome in the soil. You can now do an equation. For every kilogram of the pig, we had this much expense of uh, CO2 emitted and this much expense of CO2 absorbed. And if, if a farmer is a good farmer and he really follows the process, you will have a negative effect. So you will have a product that absorbs more CO2 than what it emits. Again, it's not uh, written in stone. A lot dependent on type of animal, how he paddocks, how he manages the grass quality, if there are trees or no trees. Trees are very important because they stabilize a lot of carbon. But imagine that now you as a consumer, that wants to eat the batanegra, and you know that it's a good quality, you like it. And now you can also say, I want this brand because this brand only buys from farmers that are so good that they are able to absorb CO2. This is the linkage, the AI-driven linkage that allows this uh, production chain. Because imagine how much calculation you need to do in real time to get to this declaration, this is sustainable, not because somebody from marketing said so, but because you have a real data that can show it.
0: Yeah, that that would be impossible, right? I mean, <laughs> to, uh, already to 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 process all the data, I think it would be impossible. And if you want a real time solution, I think you need to pass for a, a model that at least has a very uh, simple uh, algorithm that calculates it. So. Really, yeah. really, really impressive. But yes. you, you mentioned AI. Um, so how do you use it? I mean, do you use it only for um, analyzing the data and taking no, these patterns, as you say, or are you also in prediction and things like that? I use it in three options. First is the cleaning of data. Because
1: let's say the example of the walkover weight. An animal... For me to count as weighting, it means that the animal with one animal, with all four legs, needs to be on the platform. But what happens if it put one leg? Or if it's two pigs there? Or if you just put three legs, but it was pushed? How do you know it? And here comes the first part, the filter. You need to identify which measures are real measures, which data is clean data, and which can be distracted. Because don't forget, we're working in an area where there is no cellular connection. We work with LoRa and GSM. So every bit of data I'm taking from the field and putting into the cloud has its weight that I need to evaluate, is it worth it or not? And the AI helps us to decide it what is clean, what is not before going to data. Then, of course, there's the crossing, the AI in the operational part that I cross data from different sensors. Is it eating? Does the animal eat? Does it drink? How much it weight? What is the microclimate there? Is it hot? For example, when it's hot, animals drink more. They don't want to eat. So maybe the animals are too hot and you need to go and put shade there. It's not something clinical. So crossing all this data, you need an AI. And of course, the holy grail that we are aiming for is the prediction is the ability to say, we were going towards this trend. it might be be like this in the next week, which with environmental data, it's relatively easy. But with uh, epidemiological data, for example, you have a animal which is sick. And every day you have maybe ten percent increase in sick animals. How long before it will start giving you, you know being a real problem for the entire group? This is a, I'm not there yet. I must admit the predictive AI is the holy grail we're working towards, but uh, I'm not. Uh, uh, I want to be there. Maybe next year. <laughs>
0: No, but it's it's really really incredible what you are starting because I think it creates a lot of value in a place where it's needed. That's a really important point, and also where technology in general, not even AI, but technology is really far away. So it's also really great because I have I have already seen a couple of things like that, but focus on really big uh, companies, big exploitations, um. And I think you are creating a change, a social change also in these areas because you are helping small farmers to to, to be at the same level as, as big corporations. So I think it's really, really impressive. So I have just a couple of questions to finish. So, my uh, Mikel, um, what about, I mean, plants plant exploitation because we have talked about only farming is it possible to do it with plants not even i mean i, I know that it, your your company is not focused on that but um i mean have you heard solutions like that in plants
1: i think plants and crops because it's more homogeneous it's easier not because there is no disease but because in today you know commercial farming the same tree it's the same tree it's not a son it's not a daughter it's not an uncle it's the same tree cloned and you have hectares over hectares of hectares with the same olive tree copy pasted everywhere and uh, even if you have a local variation based on the environment the prediction is is easier i think plant Uh, technology, what what, what is called precision agriculture is actually before the animals they're going faster because once they validate it for one or two plants they can apply it for a bigger market and uh, when I go to competitions or to events, I'm usually the only one, maybe there is somebody else working on animals and then you have a lot of people doing irrigation and disease prediction and satellite assessment. And I think the plant part is going much faster. It's easier, not because it's technically easier, but it's conceptually in the market easier.
0: So you wanted to do, to do something difficult. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, it's, it's also fine that you could uh, say something about plants because um, I think that's also a big problem. Like usually uh, plants, I mean, uh, people working in the countryside with with just, with, with just think about rate. irrigation. Just, yeah. just
1: think about irrigation for a second. How much water goes for an olive tree a year? And we're getting to a water scarcity, and we're getting to global warming, and we're getting to a soil erosion. Remember, if you're working with plants and you don't have the grass every year, the rain washes away a lot of nutrients and every year the land is less capable to hold the water so you need to irrigate more and uh, there is a lot of ways for plant, for uh, technology to know how much water the plant needs some use you know tables just simple tables some will measure the amount of the electric pressure caused by the roots when they absorb water so the roots, when they absorb water, they use different amount of pressure and they will measure it with the electrodes. And by the increase or decrease of this, they will predict the irrigation needs in the upcoming days. Others will go for the fruit. For example, uh, apples or pomegranates, they will measure the amount of water concentration inside the fruit. And based on this, they will say this tree is suffering. This tree don't have enough water to put into the fruit, so we need to irrigate it. There is a lot of uh, very complex and high-level type of technologies that I've met them. I worked with them. I'm actually doing a forestry degree now, so I worked a little bit with them as well. But it's very, very complex and very, very interesting field
0: yeah it is actually i i suggest people to to, to learn more uh, for that because i think it's really really impressive and the thing you told about the the the, the roots like, like like they are measuring with the pressure i think it's really 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 interesting so can you can you say a couple of words also for a person that is maybe inspired because of this conversation or even because of before, uh, he or she wanted to know more about this. And now um, this person wants to to improve their career in this field. Can you say a couple of words to, to inspire it?
1: Yeah, I actually really take to heart of this because most veterinarians th- that I know of, most agronomists that I know of, more agricultural experts are not technically oriented. They chose these faculties because they don't want to do math. They don't want to do statistics. They don't want to have to sit in front of the computer. But I would say that in the current job market and the current need, these skills are very, very important. I meet a lot of engineers that came from the engineering background and they don't know what they need to develop. And they're looking for people from uh, agricultural background or life science background to help them. And I would say that if you have a background in uh, in these fields, matching up with, uh, you know, you don't have to be expert. I'm not an AI expert. I, I know how to design it. I know what I need from it. But at least when I speak with my co-founder, I can tell him what I need as a veterinarian. And many tech startups or tech developers, they're looking for this person. They're looking for a person that will tell him, look, You should measure, for example, the speed of water evaporation from the surface of a leaf. Why is it important? Because this is an indication of if you need to put shades or not above our lemons. But you need to be a biologist and you need to have background in it to know what you're looking for. And I would say, again, if you have a background in this and you're looking to do some innovative things, uh, don't be afraid of AI, don't be afraid of engineers, they don't bite. (laughs) Uh, Find somebody that uh, you like and start working with them. There is a lot of growth in in the sector. Both the policymakers, the funding, a lot of it is going to be directed to agritech, life science, climate tech, nature-based solution. A lot of this sector is going to grow.
0: Yeah, I agree with you that, I mean, I also agree that for this specific domain, the collaboration among different actors is very important because, and I think that's the value point, right? Like to combine someone coming from the more tech sector, AI, or even developer or whatever, and another person who is more used to the domain, actually, um yeah, you mentioned at the beginning that you were this person that put into connection uh, people from countryside and engineers and data scientists, and it is very important because uh, I I always like to say that uh, innovation comes when you take two very apparently different domains and combine them. So in your case, you are innovation, you are doing an very innovative because you are mixing two very separated uh, domains. And you have created, I think, a very practical solution that creates a, a value uh, for you, for everyone, also for people working there, uh, for the countryside. And I think it's that's that's a very important point, yeah.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You should have seen the face of my co-founder when I sent him to for a week in a sheep farm. He enjoyed it. He really, really enjoyed it. But imagine that uh, your co-founder said, Alejandro, go to a to a pig farm to see how they breed the chestnut uh, fed pigs uh, would, would I, you like it
0: <laughs> i must i must say that uh, when i was very uh, very very young i i was used to sheep a lot because uh, I, like a uh, uh, an old relative i had at this time um had like thousands of them um but as when he died uh, I mean, he he needed to, to sell everything and the family and so on. And that's also a case. Like, I mean, uh, now anyone else is doing the same thing. So um, now, now, for example, uh, I wouldn't even know how to start with. So, <laughs> yeah. And hopefully, you... because I think it's important. But, uh, yeah, we are forgetting everything like that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: you, you can come to my farm when you're next in Italy. <laughs> we, we can have a chat uh, with them and animals around.
0: <laughs> okay i i i take it i take it okay so uh nickel uh, a couple of questions to finish uh very uh, very short questions don't worry and um, very easy ones so the first one would be uh how can the audience contact you or your startup with growth uh, if you want to if they want to collaborate with you for example and also the last one, um, it's how do you like coffee? Because uh, this is the AI Coffee Podcast. You are living in Italy, uh, so I hope that you like coffee and that you like very coffee a lot. So yeah, let us know.
1: Yeah, so I would not say my long last name, but I'm on LinkedIn. So if you like uh, put Michael Precision Livestock Farming, you will you will get me or Regrowth is the startup name. We're not very active on social, but again, you will put it on LinkedIn and you will get it. It's either us or a hair transplant group. So you would not have the mistake. It's two of us there. And about the coffee, I'm biased. I'm Israeli. I grew up in Israel and I like my coffee, Turkish black with no sugar, especially when it's uh, on the fire or something out hiking. So it adds a flavor i think the smoke adds a lot of flavor to it
0: i haven't ever tasted this so maybe i should go to to your house to see the ships <laughs> also and, um, and we take- have
1: a camping coffee yeah perfect coffee it, sounds a good
0: really, one. it sounds really great so yeah. thank you very much for for being here for taking your time for talking about a very important thing and yeah i hope that you you like it also
1: yeah, thank you for having me. Great conversation and I really like the meeting, meeting, interview, how you call it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And also, thank you to you to see the A Coffee podcast one more episode. If you liked it, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening it. Share it with your friends or relatives. Also, if you go to the countryside now, you are going to understand better everything. And please... That's a very important thing. Uh, Contact uh, Regrowth if you want to to obtain more details about your farming and, and so on. So thank you very much.